0: Welcome back to Millennial Lack, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lott's speech Listeners, we are in the tail end of October, there is a lot of snow on the ground in Colorado and Valene is once again in Idaho.
1: Yeah. I, um was at the airport at 3 a.m. with a foot of snow on the ground praying that I could get out of there because I didn't want to drive back to Fort Collins, that's for sure, that morning, and I also learned that you should probably take your microphone out of your backpack so that the bomb squad doesn't get called on you. Um, There's about five or six people at the TSA pre-check, like, not wanting to even talk to me, and I'm like, where's my backpack? Where's my computer? So, anyway, I'm in Idaho now, and it's, it's always an adventure, so times have you traveled
0: with the microphone like what was so special about this time (laughs) I don't know I
1: don't I don't know whether the right people weren't on staff I've been stopped a couple times when I don't pull it out but most of the time they just pull it out and go oh this is kind of cool and then we have a conversation and I go on my merry way but no they had they were they were mad at me so anyway everybody was grumpy that morning and I was just trying to smile and glad that I gave myself two hours to (laughs) get through the airport so anyway I but that was a little squirrel train, but kind of what what we're up to uh, this week. Like Catherine said, we're on week si- or episode sixty, which is just mind blowing to me because it seems like we just celebrated our one year anniversary last week, um, and we're heading into the final stretch of elections. And again, want to encourage you to vote. But we wanted to take a little turn. We've you've been hearing a lot about national policy. Um, we talked a little bit about the presidential debate. And, um, and mental health, but we wanted to kind of dive into policy and some of the local issues and how how things um, are created on a more local level and how you can get involved because we get so caught up, I think, in the big picture and which is great but there's a lot happening in our back door that we can be involved with. So this week we've brought on a return guest and somebody that's special to me. um, My mom, Lori Likely, she's a state representative and a rancher in Idaho. Um, I'll let her introduce herself and then we'll dive into the episode. Thanks mom for joining us.
2: Well, good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Valine. Thank you for having having me on. I am uh, Lori Likely, also known as Representative Lori Likely in Idaho. I am finishing my first term In the Idaho House of Representatives. It has been quite an experience for me as I come from kind of the ag policy background and have been involved with the beef industry from a local to a national level. A native to Idaho, uh, we have been here. I think Valiant is the fifth generation. We've also got the sixth generation on the ground right now and so very proud of our agricultural roots but also very engaged in in public policy and making certain that we're representing you know our communities and our families you know not only in the magic valley but across the state of idaho so again it's a pleasure to join you ladies this morning and i look forward to diving in to a little bit about uh, you know how legislation is drafted
0: awesome well thanks for being here lori we're excited to have you back and um you know looking forward to a great conversation so let's start at the beginning Um, For, you know, anybody who for civics lessons were a long time ago in high school and have maybe forgotten a few of the basics. How does, um, how does a citizen approach or how does a citizen, yeah, how does, how does a citizen take an issue to a legislator and how, how does that,
2: how does that then become a bill? Well, that's a that's a good question. So let's let's start back with the fact that you know in Idaho we are citizen legislators, and so we too have to make a living outside um, the capital and are not. Um, You know, career politicians. And so all legislation really does start at the grassroots level and we want people to understand that, you know, in Idaho, a bill or legislation is actually enacted um, to amend or to create um, or even repeal an existing piece of legislation. And I think it's really important to know that, you know, the way we do it in Idaho is very similar to the way it happens um, at the federal government level. And, um, you know, the idea behind legislation can come from a variety of sources. And I really do encourage um, folks to to really step back and understand how how the legislative process works and what the legislative branch of government really does, what what the constitution in your state or what the constitution, the federal constitution or the US constitution says too, to really apply it to to good um, public policy. Um, so it, it really does start at the grassroots level. I I think that you know it can be introduced by a legislator, um, somebody like myself who may have an agenda, um, or you know certain areas of expertise um, that can lead to a, a, a you know a a good piece of legislation, um, and sometimes those come from our constituents if they've done their homework and they understand maybe what needs to be done. You know I'm certainly happy to go sit down um, with them at legislative services and and help draft some legislation legislation, find where in Idaho statute that might need to be changed. And then remembering that we have to sell it in the House. There's 70 members in the Idaho House of Representatives, but we have to sell it to at least 35 plus one to get it across the House floor and then over to the Senate or you know, vice versa. So it really does start with the ground level and um, we encourage people to be engaged in the process.
1: So how? So if I were to call you on the phone and say I, I have this concern with this ag policy, and I think we need to change this in in the code, we kind of draft what we need to, and then where does it go from there?
2: Well, first of all, you know we would we would talk through it. We would wade through, you know, why you think it's necessary. Are you representing yourself? Are you representing um, an agriculture industry? Um, have you have you communicated with all the ag industries? Have you looked at the unintended compl- the unintended consequences of that legislation? Is that legislation or proposed legislation constitutional? And then I think once we walk through all those steps, we research where in state statute it might need to either go or get repealed or get amended then we can go to legislative services. I really like to do my homework ahead of time. And then we draft that legislation and we look at it and we run it by, you know, the various groups and the various legislators, and then we can draft it. And then we have to get, once it's drafted in what we call an RS or routing slip, that's personal property of the legislator. And so until the legislature, legislator agrees that, that, you know, it can be released or put out in, you know, um, publicly, they keep it very close to the, the vest and it kind of circulates until you're um, at the, at the at committee, but you've got to work very closely with that committee chair to make certain that they, you know, that they want to bring it before the committee and they will ask you all the same questions that I'm asking you now, you know, who who is, who is behind you on this? Why do you think it's necessary? What effect will it have? Is it good public policy? Will you have a broader array of support? Is it something that's just kind of local that maybe could be handled locally? Or is it something that needs to be kind of a broader, you know, broader piece of legislation that would have, you know, implications across the state of Idaho? So, and again, you've got to have, there's a lot of steps along the way, but a lot of legislation is really drafted from a constituency level, or, you know, from our executive branch of government, Government, uh, Some of the uh, government agencies, you know, they work within the system all the time. They can identify where, you know, laws and, and, and uh, things maybe need to be changed or repealed. And then they they can kind of bring that forward. Um, special interest groups can bring legislation forward. And again, just about anybody can but you do at the end of the day have to kind of work with the legislature you've got to have somebody that will sponsor it on the house floor or the senate floor and so you really do need to kind of bring bring people along in the entire process but if you've got an idea absolutely i have constituents call me all the time with an idea and so i post to them much of what we're talking about here i ask all of those questions about why how when what are the implications have you brought on all these groups and and maybe i'm a little unique in that, but I think that when you when you kind of go through the process and the procedures a little more deeply, then we can get a broader array of support. So
0: That is a lot of steps. That's a lot of things to even get um, a bill drafted, let alone to a committee hearing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: how come it seems like sometimes so that seems like a, a fairly involved process. So how come sometimes it seems like legislation is just ramrodded through? How how quickly can can a bill get from inception to, to the governor's desk?
2: Well, in Idaho, you'll remember that we just actually had a special session, you know, in Article 4, Section 9 of Idaho's Constitution, only the governor can call a special session, and he has to do it. specific reasons and so in that case we just completed a special session um, in August near the end and in that case we were able to suspend a lot of rules to get legislation through the first second and third reading calendars very quickly and so when that happened we were able to you know process it and enroll it in the House and enroll it in the Senate and then get it to the governor's desk in less than a couple days. Under normal circumstances. And again, that was a really tight time frame. It was really tight um, information and things kind of moved along and, and specific issues, just a couple of issues and those moved along very quickly. The process under normal procedures, when Idaho meets um, in January, we usually meet on the first Monday, closest to the 9th of January. So we will convene on the 11th of January this year. Um, oftentimes it takes quite some time to get through. So again, we'll start with like Valley, and 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 you talked about we will, uh, you know, we'll make the whys wins, the hows, how will it fall, you know, and then, you know, kind of a little bit of negotiating and compromising with others on the draft legislation, visiting with the, uh, the chairman. And then once the, the chairman agrees to hear it in committee, the RS is introduced, and then if the committee agrees to introduce it then it will be assigned a bill number and at that point once it's assigned a bill number then the committee chair um will work to put it on the reading calendar and that's the first reading calendar and that's when all the public testimony and everything happens and then it is sent to the the floor with you know a variety of do pass no pat no you know with no recommendation or so forth to the floor and then the um and then, you know, it goes through the second reading calendar. The The clerk will read it through the second reading calendar. And then on the third reading calendar is when the House, I know this is getting complicated, girls, <laughs> and probably losing you to some degree in the process. But, uh, you know, once it hits the third reading calendar, um, that is when um, the House sponsor will ask um you know, most of the time, the clerk can read the entire piece of legislation, but we can also ask for unanimous consent from the body to dispense with further reading of the bill. And then um, and then we can debate the bill on the House floor. Um, hopefully, you know, in a, in, a, in a perfect situation, it will be fully vetted ahead of time. But oftentimes, those that aren't on the committee will have additional questions, that they weren't part of the public hearing process. And so in that, and then we can vote on that, and then it has to go to the other body and once it passes. So Catherine, an answer to your question, sometimes it takes weeks to get through that, that entire process and it should. I think legislation really does need to be fully vetted by all the parties that it's going to affect.
0: Absolutely. It's important to know, too. I mean, okay, so it's a little bit of an involved process, but I think you laid it out very, very well, and it's important for people to have refreshers and reminders of how this actually works, because it's too easy to get caught up in the four-year cycle and think, oh, we only elect presidents every four years, but in reality, I mean, in most states, legislators are meeting every single year, and you know, it's a process that we can be engaged in as citizens um, if we choose to be, and we should, because it's, you know, it's a it's a responsibility that comes with that right.
1: And how, well, there's open hearings, especially for the committee where we can, the general public can testify or or send their comments, but how do we, let's just use agriculture specifically because we are the Millennial Ag Podcast, um, but how do we how do we get involved or how do we know when legislation is coming for agriculture? Because it's sometimes, you know, I'm caught up in my, my day-to-day job, my life, my family, that sort of thing. And sometimes policy is not on my radar, but there's policy being made Pretty much every day or being discussed every day that probably impacts my life to some extent. And I'm trusting in my representation from my legislators to do a good job. But how do I keep it on my radar to say, hey, I kind of disagree or this is going to impact me um, On a greater level.
2: Well, that's a a great question, girls, and I think that it's something that we're seeing right now. I think we're seeing a lot of mistrust in our government and our elected officials, and I would hope that we kind of pause and think about what the entire, you know, Catherine, as you mentioned in the beginning, what the civic engagement and the civic protocols actually look like how does the legislative branch of government work? How do they work in conjunction with the executive branch and the judicial branch of government as well? And then how do we do it respectfully? And I think that it's, extremely critical, whether you're an electrician, whether you're a pharmacist, whether you're a rancher or a farmer, potato grower, become involved in those industry organizations that represent you. Many of them have lobbyists, or I like to refer to them as legislative advisors. They actually have, you know, they have a membership component, and then they have a public policy component. And when you pay dues to those organizations, you are represented and you can help develop policies internally within those um, associated organizations, you know, so belong to, you know, if you're a plumber, you probably belong to the union, but you also probably have some um, plumbing associations that you belong to. And so they will develop priorities every year and they will talk about policies and so forth. That really is where I I recommend people start. Maybe it's Farm Bureau, maybe it's the Cattle Association, the Dairy Association, the um, Accounting Association become involved with those really understand how your industry and your interests work. You know, maybe it is a social issue, get involved in those that, that, you know, kind of align with your interests and recognize how public policy is drafted and, you know, setting up, Uh, priorities within those associations and those organizations, and then they will help you kind of better understand how how legislation is drafted from there. It, um, I find it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, we want to come right in and, and make public policy, which is which is good and should happen. But sometimes let's step back and look at, you know, what areas are you interested in? Let's get engaged there, bring a broader body to the to the to the to the you know to the discussion you know understand which pieces of policy affect you know your ranching or your dairy industry work with them you know you're paying dues i hope to those types of associations and then you can help form their policy which ultimately will help form policy on a state or a federal level. But we can't do it alone. We've got to build those relationships. We've got to build those collaborations and those cooperations and have broader understandings of the implications of, of just pushing something through single-handedly as opposed to what what things work like across the board. And so I really encourage people to get involved in their local communities and get involved in those local industry or those associations that represent them because then, then They will have somebody there, a legislative advisor or even a lobbyist that helps them or helps us better understand what, you know, those 800 plumbers or electricians or, you know, a thousand dairy farmers, what they want. And that's pretty big for me. You know, I want I want them to be representing a broader group so that I fully understand what the implications of the legislation might be. But get involved, get involved in your local level, get involved in the industry associations that, that represent the interests that you, you know, want to bring pu- public policy forward with. So getting
0: involved is obviously the first step and and you know, maybe leaving the path of of legislative um, Development right here for a second, but what would you say to someone who, um, you know, is a farmer, a rancher, a pharmacist, or a plumber, or whatever, and um, they, they don't know how to dissent, um, respectfully, or they don't, you know, they see they see something going on in their association or policy being um, upheld that they don't, that they don't necessarily agree with, but you know, they're they're maybe the lone voice or only the voice of the minority. How would you approach? Um, you know, starting to change things in in the way that you would like to see.
2: Oh, that's a that's a that's a that's an interesting one right now, especially with the climate to Catherine and Valine that we're operating in. And it's I want those minority voices to be heard. And sometimes they're the quiet ones. We're hearing from the noisy ones who want to dissent and do it oftentimes very disrespectfully. And there is a proper way, you know, in Idaho right now, I represent about, you know, between 44 and 50,000 um, constituents across across the entire Magic Valley. And I hear from some of them. Some of them are very vocal and very nasty. And then I hear, and then I don't hear from some, or I'll run into somebody at a, at a local meeting or at any local event. And they will, you know, we'll have a conversation and they'll just say, you know, thank you. You're, you're doing a good job. I don't always agree with you. But, you know, go, I, we elected you for a reason and and so we are available to our constituency base, remembering that we are citizen legislators, but we are available to our constituents to have a conversation with. And again, I would ask them, you know, similar questions to like I posed Valine in the beginning. Um, you know, let's walk through that. Why? How? And if, if they're still very passionate about, you know, wanting to run some public policy, I'm happy to walk them through that step. So I'm happy to take them to legislative services and, and we can look into where, We're in state statute. Maybe we could put that in and then I will need their help to sell it to a broader group in order to run it across the desk. That's kind of how I, you know, and and we're all going to have different opinions and I may, you know, I want to understand all sides of it. I want to understand the minority. I want to understand the majority. We, you know, are easily accessible by, you know, email. Uh, Many of us are on social media and very active too, but the minute it gets disrespectful, I'm, I probably am going to turn it off or if it comes in a robotic email that you might sign your name on the bottom, but it's, it's generated from a bot, you know, those that I don't have any staff. And so if I get thousands of emails, which I do in a single day, sometimes it's hard and they all say the same thing. Sometimes it's hard to sort through them and get to the bottom of it. Who sent that, which might have been a constituent who has a legitimate concern. But I can't sort through all of those and get directly back to them. Reach out to me directly. Send me a personal note. You know, keep respectful. And, uh, you know, let's, let's work with a broader group of, of understanding how, how we come forward with legislation that's going to work um, for the broader good. It's kind
1: of refreshing to me to hear because you hear all this big, you know, the political memes or you hear all this you know, noise out there, but it seems that a lot of change, a lot of dialogue, a lot of re- kind of approaching it respectfully happens or approaching it respectfully creates more change than just shouting out to the public. And I think I get... I get bogged down in, in social media, in the news and whatever, and get frustrated because it's so noisy and it's so frustrating. And and they're the big policies. They're the ones that do hit your emotions. They're the ones that go, this is affecting my families. This is affecting our communities. And we want to get so wrapped up. But true change happens by taking a step back and having civil dialogue with with people that are in, are in positions like like the House of Representatives or our city council, because it's, it's amazing. I think we forget that we can pick up the phone and call our representatives, or at least, you know, on the bigger level, they have staff there to answer our phone call. And if we're able to be persistent and respectful, we'll be able to get, get at least something to the desk of, of what, of who we need to, but it's when we start screaming or start getting mad, I think that's, people start shutting, shutting down from us too. Um, so I, I appreciate that approach. And I think personally, it's refreshing to hear that because I get, I get wrapped up in the, in the national politics that are name calling and mud throwing. And I'm like, how is every, anything gonna ever get done? But bringing it back to the local level where we can have a difference and we can have a voice, I think is really important for our listeners and for agriculture too, in general, to remember
2: you know it's it's i enjoy i enjoy my job and i enjoy it when i get at that call from a constituent who wants to know why we put yield signs at railroad crossings replaced all the stop signs at at some of the offway railroad tracks this year with yield signs and i you know so i was able to just make some phone calls and and we were able to answer that question kind of up front or if somebody's got a, a, a challenge with um, ITD, Idaho Transportation Department, or you know somebody's got a question about environmental regulations, or somebody's got a question about the Public Utilities Commission, you know I am able to pick up the phone and kind of bring in some of the experts to maybe answer the question, so that we don't need policy. Maybe the policy's already in there, and maybe there's a reason why it's not getting done, or maybe we need to make some changes. And so I think it's it, that's the part of the job that I enjoy. Somebody's got to a challenge or a question that is easily solved by making a couple of phone calls, having additional conversations, and and really moving moving things forward. But we've got to do it. We've got to step back and take a breath and do it respectfully because it really has gotten out of hand and i i want to be in, i want you all to be in part you know part of the of the solution you know i want to apply it against the constitution i want to engage the senate i want to work with the, with the you know the governor and the executive branch of government to make sure that we're bringing forth policies that work for a broader good
0: You know, I think that that is a perfect place to, um, wrap up our discussion and, you know, Lori, we'd like to thank you for coming on and thank you most importantly for being a voice of reason and of, of consideration and and someone who's trying to bring, um, respect back into the conversation and into the, the public dialogue. Um, and before we do wrap for the, for the day, uh, listeners, this is uh, the week before the United States elections, uh, federal, state, and local. And so, um, you know, you've got a few days left to, if you're in a state where you can mail in your ballot, don't forget to vote. If you um, have to vote in person, make sure you make a plan uh, for next Tuesday and and make sure that you have a way to make sure that your voice is heard because it's it's an honored right of of American citizens. And, um, we also have a duty to uphold. So get involved, go vote, and, uh, we will see you next week.
1: And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can email us at millennial or talk to us at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are millennial ag.